Hi, this is David Baum. I'm the Development Director for Campbell Law School, and this rhymes with a watch. out that between the two of us we have 10 years of Campbell experience working in technically the advancement department and under the umbre advancement umbrella there are people like us who sit at desks and promote social media and publications and write a lot and there are far braver individuals uh, like our guest today David Bohm who are development officers and they're responsible for actually bringing in money to Campbell University yeah um, for yeah. important things well I mean, you and I do work for advancement at some universities. Communications and marketing separate. is not a, yeah, it's separate. But we um, we do work in advancement, and so ideally, what you and I do is supposed to further advance the university and and we believe help. strongly that it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, in in theory, it does. I don't always feel like what I do is doing that. Mm. Some people argue, hey, you know the. Uh, the magazine you guys do, you know, that uh, it's a huge thing for advancement. But, you know, it just, we're not out there on the front lines doing this day in and day out. And uh, um, David Bohm is, he is, uh, he is our guest today. And uh, um, we just interviewed him. And so we have the um, benefit of hindsight here. But you mentioned in the interview that, uh, and I, for, I forget this after a couple of years, but uh you had a very similar job. You were mm. out in the field, well, but you know, you were not a, a similar job in that you had to approach people, and you probably got a lot more no's than yeses, and you had to learn to deal with that. The no's to yes ratio, that part I can relate to. Yeah. Um, but what we learned during this podcast is the value of building relationships um, without necessarily going in with a mindset of... I am going to, or I'll never get this money from that person. And that's something that's hard to do. And it's something that I really admire our development officers for doing. So enjoy our interview with David Bohm and uh, stick around after the interview. Kate and I will attempt to talk as we breathe in. <laughs> How would you describe it? Um, speak while inhaling. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound a lot better. Talk as we breathe in. <laughs> Stick around after this podcast for the intro that we tried to record for this podcast. start off by telling our listeners what do you do as a development officer for the law school in Rome? That is a wonderful question. I think the question is what I don't do as a <laughs> development officer for the law school itself. The official title and the official activities are fundraising for the school, but it goes much deeper than that. It's anything from being a teacher, a counselor, a mentor. Um, it's all across the board in the many things that I do through this role and through the position for the law school. There's a lot more work with students, it sounds like, than I was expecting you to say. My particular position, yes, has evolved into that. I'm a lawyer by trade, and so bringing that skill set to the table obviously affords itself to a lot of different opportunities at the law school, 
which is doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one with students and but also teaching there as well that's awesome a yeah, lawyer by trade okay so how do you go from uh were you an attorney were you did you were you a practicing attorney or did you just go straight into the development world and that's another good uh, set of questions. And I'm not sure we have enough time to go into no, that. Tell but us, Tell us just, well, well we usually, we, we strayed away from this. We used to ask people, the very first thing we asked people was, what brought you to Campbell University? And we found that sometimes we got really great answers. And sometimes we got, I saw an ad on LinkedIn and uh, <laughs> I'm here. And so we shied away from that question. But I, I really do want to know, what, how did you wind up at Campbell University? Oh, the answer to your first question is, how do I get here? Yeah. The Alexander YMCA in downtown Raleigh. <laughs> That's why I ran into the dean That's who what said, I've got says, a job but for We it. really want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> no, uh, I am an attorney by trade. What does that mean? That means I still have my license. I practiced okay. law for 10 years. I practiced for law uh, in five years in New Bern and then five years in Charlotte. Decided I was going to go in a little different direction. I started having kids out there. My priorities got rearranged. So it was an opportunity for me to step into the nonprofit world. Mm -hmm. And through the nonprofit world, I landed at a trade association. Still kept my license active, but I'm just not involved in the active practice of law. So after working at the North Carolina Bar Association, where I spent almost eight years, an opportunity arose through the dean, through conversations, and saying, I've got the perfect job for you. Mm -hmm. And it was an opportunity to step into um, the Campbell University. Yeah. And now your role, among other things, is to motivate donors, which is... A scary phrase. Can you explain why you use the word motivate? Why do you motivate rather than persuade? We were noticing this when we looked at your social media. She originally wrote coerce, <laughs> but I hey. made it change the word. I recognized that it was a poor word choice. <laughs> I think it's an excellent word choice. And I think it's out there. It has to do with the duties of what you do. You are actually just building relationships and you hope that results in a gift versus mm -hmm. trying to coerce people into making or giving a gift and then building a relationship afterwards. I think it's just an, into your approach. So you want to motivate people into wanting to do that as opposed to coercing them or I will say um, trying to convince them that they have to give it. I think if you work it from the other angle, which is looking at, hey, you should be a part of this. A lot of other people are a part of it. And I think you're going to miss out if you're not a part of it. Mm. So Kate and I work in advancement also at Campbell University. Communications and marketing falls under the advancement umbrella. But I, I'm speaking for you as well, Kate. But to me, the whole advancement world is very foreign to me. Like, I could not do what you do. I could not, for one, talk to people <laughs> and expect and expect here. anything great to come of it, you know. But um, but like I said, we're still, we still work in the under the same umbrella. But... Um, we know why communications and marketing is important. Um, do, does anybody ever ask you, why do why do universities have development officers when people are paying tuition or when, you know, all this other money is coming in? Why does a school need a development officer and why do we need gifts? I think if you don't have a development officer, if you have nobody who's making an ask, you're not going to get the gifts. You're leaving opportunity on the table. So the development officer's role boiled down into a nutshell is definitely building those relationships but it's the opportunity to make a direct ask to make sure that you're not leaving that opportunity on the table get people involved get them engaged they're just doing it in a little different way you talk about communications and marketing that's another one of my duties uh, even though it's not in the job description itself officially 
If you're doing it effectively, you're doing uh, a lot of communications. You're doing a lot of the marketing. You're putting the brand out there of the university. You're putting yourself out there as the brand. But what does a gift do for a school? Let's use School of Law. What would a gift do for the School of Law that is not being taken care of by enrollment and the money that people get from tuition or that the universities get from a tuition and board? The tuition dollars really go to the brick and mortar and putting those sort of opportunities into place. These gifts are going much more uh, in-depth beyond that for specific programs and activities that gets them out into international contests. Mm -hmm. It can get them into uh, programming opportunities that we wouldn't otherwise have. It is the opportunity to, um, for our students to give back to the community through legal clinics as an, uh, as an excellent example. Your tuition dollars go to just basic operations, just basic budget matters. A lot of what I do is going above and beyond that because there's a huge gap on what you get for operation dollars and what you do to actually run the entire uh, law program itself. I think Campbell has great alumni. I wouldn't be on this podcast if I thought otherwise, <laughs> but uh, our development officers um, work with a lot of great alumni. But I imagine still you receive a lot of no's before you land in a, a yes. Is that is that uh, accurate to say that, that... that you run into a lot of, no, nah, not today, or, but uh, explain to me how, how <laughs> you work through that, I guess, because, again, I, I guess I'm shrinking into my shell even thinking about it. I don't think I could take that, like just the nose. Well, I'll flip the question. How many people do you offer the opportunity for a podcast or to sit down and do an interview with you for the magazine, et cetera, before you get to the yes? Well, in your case, you walked into our <laughs> office and, and you, <laughs> let's do a, so it was really, no, no. Um, no, we, I, I'll be honest, uh, I usually don't that. make the ask unless I think it's a good chance, right? Can I, I mean, a story? Yeah. <laughs> so my job before this was direct sales. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, they gave me a zip code. I went door to door, every store, every floor, it didn't matter what kind of business because it was business supplies, which is very big. Mm. And the rule of the company was you hit minimum 60 doors and they expect you to make two sales yeah. and out of the 60 doors if you talk to 10 people who are actual decision makers like two is good you're good at your job if you get two and so we don't have anything like that which no. is part of why i love my job now and i i liked that company i loved my coworkers. i learned a lot it was exhausting and i realized that what you do is different because you actually have an opportunity to build real relationships you're not just like drive right, and, by I did, and i didn't mean to make it sound like a sales <laughs> job per se but but well, i imagine you do reach but the odds the numbers game i think right. is still i think you're on the right path i mean one you got to have thick skin if that's yeah. going to bother you then hearing no and you're going to hear more no's than yeses i mean there's even the best development officer in the world still hears no more often than they hear yes as a, just a general rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. So one, don't take it personally. Yeah. And secondly, uh, you just got to have a positive attitude about it. And the next ask could be that ask that comes through uh, to really support the university. That's the other thing is you just never know. Right. Yeah. I'll say it's more the, the least expected um, philanthropic individuals are the folks that surprise you the most. I mean, the people you think are going to be philanthropic mm -hmm. may not be, and the people you think would not want to get involved or engage, or it may not be that you know huge donor, ends up being that individual. And it doesn't just end with the yes. I imagine you then walk them through a process and, and guide them through what their money is going to do and for, for the larger donors, I guess, you know. Yeah, to harken back. If I give you 28 bucks, you're not going to... <laughs> 
Call me next week and say, Billy, guess what? <laughs> guess what? You you funded lunch today for two students. We hope that, yeah, we hope that's the case. And we hope to get you back to fund it then for 10 students at yeah. that point. But okay. now, in all seriousness, back to your original question of thinking about that, uh, you don't have people lined up outside the door of any institution who's just ready to cut you a check or willing to cut you a check and say, here, go forth and conquer. Uh, I need a place to park my money. Will you be that individual for me? And that's another reason uh, for these roles, for development officers, advancement teams, et cetera. It's about cultivation. It's about identifying where these resources may be, where the relationships need to be, and what needs to be cultivated Mm -hmm. so that you can connect the opportunity with the individual and vice versa. Sometimes we have people, um, the individuals that don't know exactly where they want to be philanthropic. Mm-hmm. And throughout that relationship building, you're able to build an excellent opportunity for them to invest in your program. Yeah. And a lot of that is, it, it is very relational, it seems to us, at least, working with other people in advancement. And we were checking out your social media to try and get a read on who you were as a person. And um, what we found was you use this hashtag intentional living a lot. And we kind of wanted to ask you what that means and how you think you're doing it. <laughs> because there were some good quotes that you tagged with that. There he is, and I must I cannot claim any credit to it. I stole that shamelessly from John Maxwell, who had a book called Intentional Living. And so about three years ago, actually four years ago now, and as part of my transition to this job, was the intentionality, for lack of a better word, to live with a more, little more purpose, have a little more drive beyond it, um, set goals. Don't just uh, say that you're doing this, actually live it out there. And so part of my social media brand or what I use out there is that hashtag often is to help spread that word. Very important to me. Let's talk about the law school a little bit because you are here representing the law school, but it's all part of Campbell University, but you are 40 miles away from here. And uh, well, is it 40, 26 miles, 40 minutes? I, I'm bogging down. Very I'm sorry. Different numbers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I got 40 in my head because of the 1040 thing. We'll talk about that too. Um, no, but you represent the law school. Uh, you guys just celebrated 10 years being in Raleigh, and uh, we spoke to Dean Leonard. I think it was our first podcast of the fall, and it was for the 1040 event, and he went on and on. He wasn't here when the move to Raleigh happened, right. but you know he's definitely here now, and he said it was a transformational <laughs> move. Um, he, he loved everything about the decision, so I don't know, you know, I don't know how... how you may have said this earlier, how long you've been at Campbell, um, but I'm guessing you have not been here 10 years. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, I'm good. coming up my fourth anniversary. <laughs> okay. Yes. So but so your experience at Campbell Law School has been in Raleigh. Um, what has that move, uh, I'm going to ask you the same thing we asked him, what has that move meant to Campbell Law School? And Because I know law schools around the nation, are, some of them are struggling with enrollment, but um, you guys seem to be doing pretty well. I think it's just being connected to positive momentum. Obviously, you see the growth that's happening in Raleigh, particularly downtown Raleigh, the resurgence, the I'll call it a renaissance of downtown, and we're right there in the thick of things. I understand that 10 years ago, that used to be the outer fringe of the development, but now we're right in the middle of that development. It has long since gone past and beyond us in terms of the growth of what's going on in downtown. So I think it's been the opportunity for our students to have access to all of these things that are walkable. Mm-hmm. And that is the key, is the walkability of that. 
it's they had a great run and there were some good things happening here in Bowie's Creek but the opportunity for folks to really just walk over to participate in your in your programs and your activities and to send the students to those programs and activities it's it's just a game changer what well, you mentioned the fringe um it's definitely not that anymore over there it reminded me, we drove by it just a couple of days ago, and I see that it looks like what is another huge building going up across the street. Any idea what that is? Yeah, that's three towers that's on the drawing board up to 40 stories tall. And so you're going to see uh, office space over there. You're going to see a hotel. You're going to see condominiums. 40 stories. Wow. It's going to change that view from the law school roof. Yeah, yeah. But, but also you become more of the skyline then because usually yeah. when the skyline is shot, it's... There's that awkward gap yeah. right there in the middle. Yeah. Um, so what's that growth? I mean, maybe this is an obvious answer that growth that's happening around it. That's got to be really great for Campbell to be in that position where you're at right now, because it just seems like, like you said, everything is kind of springing up around it. Yeah. It not only, I think we interjected ourselves right in the middle of the momentum and right in the middle of the opportunity. So we're build it where the people are sort of thing. Uh, and so we're right there in that mix and you're seeing more people living down there in addition to working down there. And that's where the opportunity uh, really comes from. It's not just yeah. government opportunity. It's not just, um, it's all these uh, startup entrepreneurs, all these businesses that are coming downtown. Right. Huge resurgence. Well, I know this is more of an admissions maybe side of the question, but people who live in Raleigh who maybe aren't familiar with Campbell University see Campbell Law School and maybe a lot of people who, again, are not familiar, think that that is Campbell University. I hear that all the time. I live yeah. downtown near Poland Park, and everyone's like, oh, the law school. I didn't know that there was a Boys Creek campus. Do you, you run into that a lot? And then is that an opportunity to say, well, here, you should discover, you know, 26 miles down the road, <laughs> Campbell University. Do you, do you run across that a lot? I do, and only from the standpoint, I'll call it more kind of a generational issue for those mm -hmm. who grew up in Raleigh and know more about downtown Raleigh, they're able to make that distinction. But as you're seeing, the influx of people, they're not from Raleigh. They don't know uh, our colleges and universities are all of them. And so they think that, oh, yeah, it's that Campbell University. It's downtown Raleigh, whereas that's just obviously the law school, but now also the adult and online education program. Yeah, yeah. and business classes, and you got HQ Raleigh happen there too it's uh yeah. all coming together so right. that's an important distinction i think what's driving a lot of our growth right now are is raleigh itself mm -hmm. people are coming to raleigh and they're discovering oh there's a law school there i've always wanted a law degree i think i will try to get a law school uh, so raleigh seems to bring and is obviously a huge influx of people into the community and then we're able to really tap into that resource and mm -hmm. offer them the program opportunity in downtown raleigh which they love I think because of the situation Raleigh is in right now, you see it all the time on lists of cities to move to just this point in time, it's getting younger. And you mentioned a bit in your email to us um, about talking about charitable giving trends. And I was just kind of curious, as the older generations start to pass on, what are the trends going to look like? And specifically, how are we going to engage younger donors, especially young alumni donors? I think in a simplistic terms, you got to meet the donor where they are. Mm -hmm. And that applies across generations, across ages. Uh, but I won't make it all in a category that as a millennial, as an example, that you have to communicate exactly this way or that way. Every individual is certainly different. Some of my older uh, donors, they like electronic communication only. Mm -hmm. They don't want to see paper. 
Um, I hear from the millennials and some of them want pieces of paper. And so I, I try not to overemphasize or to put everybody into sort of one bucket. I think the overall trend, people want to be philanthropic. You just have to convince them why or motivate yeah. them as to why you are the source for them to invest for the future. I have one fun fact question that I'm just curious about. Uh, without getting too specific, I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, but I'm curious about the gift that you're most proud of securing for Campbell, whether that's um, someone who you really felt like you had a good relationship with or a program that you knew the money was going to that you really felt passionate about since you do work with more students than I think our advancement do here. Well, our listeners can't see this, but it brings a big smile to my face. Um, there's actually a couple of them, but one that particularly stands out, and again, not to get into specifics or names, um, it's donor, a donor that people said, there's no way that you can build this relationship. Mm. And so that to me is kind of the um, really a win. And it's not about the dollar amount that came in. It was more the relationship that came out of it. Um, in particular, that's been very uh, personally rewarding to me yeah. as well, uh, in addition to the gift that was given to Campbell. But I, I think that those opportunities to me are, are more special. And I'll say too, um, quite frankly, there's opportunities for me you know, or other development officers to repair relationships. Yeah. So it's, it's more about building that bridge for the future. And that's certainly where I spend my days as well. It's not just uh, chasing the low-hanging fruit, so to speak, <laughs> or to look for those relationships that are easy. It's also addressing those that we have unfortunately uh, have some opportunity for growth or needed some repair based on whatever actions happened in the past. Yeah. I'm honored you feel that way about my $28. Uh, <laughs> you can name names. If, no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. You uh, name a lunch tray after Billy's like <laughs> That would be an honor. No, thank you so much, David. Mm -hmm. uh, this is uh we, re we realized before this started, like like we said, we work with advancement officers every day, and uh, we've yet to have one on our on our podcast. And it's really uh, it's really not only interesting what you guys do, but it makes a huge impact on uh, Campbell University and the students who go here. So thank you so much for everything you do, and most of all, thank you so much. Most of all, thank you so much for being on this podcast. <laughs> I meant to flip those, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. you're going to uh, really enjoy he's one of our more lively i'd say guests and uh it was... <laughs> shoot <laughs> i'm right i'm keeping this all in here this is great this is this is just 100 percent taking the knife and just you know, digging it into our <laughs> into our guts right now we're just... gonna find out who actually listens to this podcast after this interview well if you really want to find out uh, you and i were also trying something before this podcast we were trying to speak as we inhale oh yeah it's yeah. tougher than it sounds like it is it always makes me feel weird at the end you kind of sounds like a robot I but only if you don't on the last syllable i get lightheaded when i do this i have a problem saying s's when i do this <laughs> and uh, you owe me 20 bucks now because you thought i wasn't going to do that i and, really did not uh, yeah so anyway um you're listening to the award-winning <laughs> with orange podcast <laughs>